You're listening to the Good Samaritan Anglican Church Podcast. The following sermon was recorded on August 4th, 2019. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge and arbiter over you? And he said to him, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, there's a man uh, who lived in the 1800s named Soren Kierkegaard, and he was a Christian philosopher uh, who said a lot of really interesting and important things. But one thing that he said is that life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. Another way of saying that, we could just say hindsight is 2020. When you look back on your life, everything seems to make sense and you can see it all clearly. You can see uh, the wisdom. You can also see the folly. You can see the good things you did as well as the bad choices that you made. You can see it all much more clearly. But when you're living it from the perspective of where you are right now, All you can see is forward, and things aren't always so clear. King Solomon was uh, one of the greatest kings in the history of Israel, maybe one of the greatest kings in the history of the world. He had everything he could possibly want. He was one of the most wise kings ever, and he was exalted in the scriptures as being one who was wise, and he got that wisdom from God. And he used his wisdom in a way that that helped people in a lot of cases. He wrote many of his wise sayings down, and that's what we see in the book of Ecclesiastes that we read from this morning, as well as many of the Proverbs um, and a few other passages in the scriptures. And people sought him out for his wisdom. And so people came from nations all around the world to visit this man and see for themselves if he really was as wise as people said he was. And when they came, they often brought gifts. And so not only did he accumulate wisdom, he also accumulated many possessions, and he had wealth that was unbelievable, unimaginable, unfathomable. And so basically, if there was anything in life that Solomon was interested in or desired, he could just go for it. He didn't have to worry about the resources. He could pursue whatever he wanted to pursue, and it would be available to him. 
This is where the hindsight is 2020 principle comes in. Because the book of Ecclesiastes is written from the perspective of Solomon when he is an old man. And he's looking back on his life and he's looking at all those different things that he used his wealth and his means to, 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 to pursue. And what he's finding is that much of it has come up short. He's spent a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money pursuing all kinds of things, but all of it has come up, come up short to him. And so this book is his reflection as an old man looking back on his life, thinking back on these things, and contemplating his death, which is now just around the corner. What are some things he tried? Well, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it said he gave himself to his work or his toil. He gave himself to the pursuit of wealth. He gave himself to the pursuit of pleasure, and there was no pleasurable thing that he didn't try. He gave himself to alcohol. He gave himself to women. He had a lot of wives, by the way, like hundreds of wives and hundreds more of concubines. He gave himself to the pursuit of wisdom. And with each of these things, this is what Solomon ultimately concludes. We, we heard this a couple times in the passage today, and he says it a couple more times throughout the book. But in chapter 2, verse 11, he says, Then I considered all that my hands had done and all the toil that I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. All was vanity and a striving after wind. This word vanity in Hebrew is hebel. And if you look carefully at the meaning, it can mean a number of things, including vapor or breath or vanity, as our passage today translates it, or meaningless. And it's always accompanied in this book with striving after wind, which goes along nicely with the idea of vapor or breath. Uh, can I have a, a child volunteer, a strong one, come up here for a second? Kieran, you come here, please. What is this? An American flag. American flag. You just hold it like this and then make it move back and forth. What happens to the flag when you go fast? What happens? It flaps. It fills up with wind. And we can see all the stars and all the stripes really clearly and beautifully. Now just hold it like this. What happens now? Can you just make sure that it's always in all its glory? Can you just, can you do that for me? Your arms are getting really tired. You don't want to touch it to the ground. We'll put it back in its holder because that would be hard. It would be nearly impossible. Your arms would fall off, right? You can sit back down. Thank you. What makes the flag go? It's wind. I'm sure you've all been driving down the highway with one of those enormous flagpoles and the flag that's like 100 feet wide and 20, you know, 50 feet tall, whatever it is. And when the wind is going, it flaps in the breeze and it's beautiful. But when the wind goes away, which can be five seconds later, the flag is deflated. Or if you've ever been sailing, as I know many of you are sailors, and you go out in the water in your sailboat on a nice windy day, your boat goes very fast to the point where it can even flip over because of the wind. But then five minutes later, the wind can die down, and where's your boat going to go? 
Nowhere. It's going to go nowhere. You're just going to be sitting. You have to get out your motor. In Solomon's day, they didn't have a motor, so they just have to get out some paddles and start rowing. That's what happens when there's no wind. And so to strive after wind is to strive after something that you just can't capture. Now, you might say you can capture wind with a balloon, right? But even with a balloon, when you've contained your wind, as soon as you let go of it, it just drifts away and deflates again. You could tie it up and that would tie the wind in there, but ask any child and they all know that when you take a balloon home and you play with it for a couple of days, the wind seeps out of it somehow, who knows how, and it comes back to a, a deflated, flimsy, flappy balloon. Striving after wind. That's what Solomon says all of these pursuits are, all of these pursuits from his life. And I'm sure you can all identify one or more of them as something you've tried. But all of them, he says, are striving after wind and vanity. In the words of the rock band U2, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. That could have been Solomon's theme song and the theme song of this book. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I've tried all kinds of things but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Now, each of these things that Solomon gives himself to are not evil by themselves. In fact, most of them we would call good and God-given. For instance, work is good, and pleasure and enjoyment are a gift from God. And God made our brains to seek after wisdom and knowledge and to solve problems and to learn and to, to know more things. And God made men and women to support and love and enjoy one another in the covenant of marriage. All of those things, we would say, are good things. They're good pursuits. The problem is when we take a good, God-given thing and we make it our sole pursuit, our one thing. Because none of these were designed to carry the weight of that responsibility in our lives. Some of you may know that my favorite way to carry my keys is on one of these uh, carabiner clips. I usually have it on my hip so I can make jingle bell noises as I walk down the halls. I don't like that part about it so much, but they're always there when I need them. And I lose my keys if they're not attached to me. So that's how I attach my keys to me. But the, the way these carabiner clips were designed, they were, their first intention was for rock climbing. And so if you've ever gone rock climbing, you'll have seen a carabiner like this, and they use it to tie and clip you onto the ropes that you dangle from as you're up high in the cliffs uh, to help you not die. And as you get higher, you clip your, your rope onto other anchor points as you go up the wall, and they help you not to, to plunge down to your death at the bottom of the cliff. Now, my carabiner is purple, which is cool, and it has some words written on it. It says, no load-bearing. It says no load-bearing. And the reason it says it on there is that they're afraid that someone is going to take this carabiner and attach it to a rope and dangle themselves from a cliff and that they're going to plunge to their death because this carabiner is not a climbing carabiner, it's a key carabiner, and it was not designed to hold the weight of my body. There was one time I took a carabiner very much like this and my dog's leash had broken. We used to let her out the back uh, and she could run around the, the backyard and do what she needed to do, as dogs do. Her clip broke, and so I didn't have a new clip available, and I took the rope that 
her clip was attached to, and I took the carabiner from my keys, and I attached it to her collar and the other end to the rope, and we let her go. And she went, and she went, and she just kept on going. Why? Because it wasn't designed to hold the weight of, and she's not that big of a dog, she's only 40 pounds. But even still, she was strong enough to break that carabiner right off the rope and keep on going. It was still attached to her collar later, but it didn't support the, the rope snapping back on it. These things that Solomon pursues in his life are good, and they provide some amount of fulfillment and joy and happiness in his life. But none of them were designed to bear the weight and responsibility of ultimate fulfillment and happiness in his life, just like my carabiner is not intended to support my body weight hanging from a cliff. Marriage is good, but it's not the ultimate good, and you can't expect your spouse to provide you with all of the fulfillment and joy and happiness that you need in your life. It's just not going to happen. And if you put that expectation on your spouse, they're always going to come up wanting because no spouse can stand up to that kind of weight of responsibility. No human can stand up to that kind of weight of responsibility. It's just not possible. Work is good, and it can certainly be fulfilling, but overwork will suck the joy out of your life and leave you with strained relationships everywhere. None of these things can hold up the burden and responsibility of all the joy and fulfillment and happiness that we need in our lives. It's interesting to note that that same Hebrew word, hebel, which means vanity or meaningless or breath or vapor, has one other meaning when it's used as a noun in the Old Testament. And that other meaning is idol. It's a word commonly used to refer to the idols, the false gods that the people came in contact with. And when we take anything in life except for God and ask it to bear the weight of our happiness and our fulfillment, we have put that thing in God's place and we've made it an idol for us. This past week, actually two weeks ago, uh, I called my wife on my phone and she couldn't hear me. And I could hear her, but she couldn't hear me. And so I hung up and I called her again and she still couldn't hear me. And then a couple days later, I called my mechanic and he couldn't hear me. He hung up on me, actually. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. I finally figured out the microphone on my phone was not working, at least as far as phone calls go, which is kind of the purpose of a microphone on a phone anyway, right? It worked for everything else except for making phone calls. And so I was just about to get to the point of ordering myself a new phone to replace my faulty no-call phone when I realized that what I could do is just get some earbuds you know those, those Bluetooth earbuds you just stick in your ear and then you can use that microphone instead of the one built into the phone and that would solve my problem for a lot less money than buying a whole new phone. And so I poured myself this past week into figuring out which would be the right earbuds. The ones that sound the best on a phone call, the ones that, that have excellent sound in your ears but also are at a budget price point so it doesn't break the bank. I spent lots and lots of time figuring out what exactly the right one was. And then I would labor between this one and that one because they both seemed good, but which one was a little bit better? Which one was the best value for my money? I literally wasted hours doing that this week. And then, finally, on Friday morning, I was looking at Amazon, and it had those magic words, free same-day shipping. That means if I order it this morning, I can have it here this afternoon. And I clicked on the button, and I waited all day. I kept opening the front door to see if it had come yet. 
And finally, right around dinner time, the package came and I could take it out and I could plug it in. I called my wife on my phone and I said, how does it sound? And she said, it sounds like a phone call. <laughs> sounds like a phone call. They work fine. I have no complaints with them. They're doing just fine. Was it worth the time and the energy and the expectation I put on them? Absolutely not. It's ridiculous when you think about it. But that's what we do with things in our life so often, over and over and over again. It's not just earbuds, but it might be the next car, it might be the next phone, it might be more money for your bank account or that next trip that you're going to take, or whatever it is that you seek after in your life to find joy and fulfillment and happiness. None of them are necessarily bad things, but they can't bear the weight and responsibility of our ultimate joy and fulfillment. And that's what Solomon is telling us as he says over and over and over again, I saw that it was vanity and a striving after wind. Because we strive after these things and we finally attain them and then we find it's just not good enough. It doesn't give us what we thought we were going to get from it. It's disappointing. So what does he conclude? Well, one thing he concludes we can see in chapter 3, which we didn't read today. But he says this, chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. And also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. In other words, relax. Stop working so hard. Enjoy the things that you work for. Take pleasure in them. Because if you put too much of your weight on any of one of those things, you're not going to find what you're looking for. In fact, he, he writes a poem at the beginning of that chapter. Maybe you've heard it before in, in a song by the birds, although Solomon isn't quoting from the birds. They, they were quoting from him. Anyway, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. And he keeps going with all these things. There are different seasons, different times in our life. And it's okay to occupy ourselves with different things at different times because none of them on their own can stand up to the weight of our happiness and fulfillment. All of them will break down. All of, the, all of them will become disappointments to us if we put too much of our stock in that one thing. So enjoy the various facets of your life but enjoy them in moderation. He also says this, chapter 3, verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into a man's heart. He has put eternity into a man's heart. There's something deep within us that tells us that there has to be more to life than this. There has to be more to life than waking up in the morning eating some meals, doing some work, going to bed in the evening, and then doing it all over the next day. There has to be more to it than that. And deep down inside, all of us know that. All of us know that there has to be more to it than this. And Solomon says that God has put eternity into men's hearts. Now, how long is eternity? It's forever. It's a really long time. How long is eternity compared to the span of your life? 
it's, it's not comprehensible. It's not comparable. There's no way that we can compare the span of our life to all of eternity. There's just no way. Think about how big outer space is. We were just thinking about the, uh, the Apollo missions and the 50th anniversary a couple weeks ago. Think about the vastness of space and how big it is. Think about how long of a journey it would be to go 100 light years from here. We just can't comprehend that in our brains. And it's the same thing when we, when we try to contemplate eternity. The span of our life is only a puff of wind, a breath, a vapor, as it says in other places in the scripture. In other words, it's vanity. And so all the things that we strive after in this life truly are meaningless compared to all of eternity. This life is coming to an end, and this world is coming to an end so that it can be made new by God. But eternity will last forever. So it's important for us to ask, what are we doing, what are you doing, what am I doing to prepare for eternity? Jesus gives us some answers in the gospel today. In the gospel, Jesus is responding to a a young man who comes to him with a complaint against his brother. He says, Jesus, tell my brother to give me my portion of the inheritance. And Jesus says this. He says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. In other words, he's saying, don't worry about it. If you get the inheritance, great, enjoy it. If you don't get it, don't worry about it. But your life, your worth, does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. And then he goes on to tell this story about a farmer who has a really good year in his fields. His crops do really, really well. They do so well that he doesn't have enough room to store all of the things that are coming in. So maybe he sells some of it, maybe he gets some stuff that he's always wanted. But even the new stuff that he's getting in is more than he can contain. And so he scratches his head about what to do with it. And he says, I know, I'll just build myself a bigger barn. We do that sometimes, don't we? We have so much stuff, we just build ourselves a bigger barn. But what Jesus says at the end of this story is that this same man as soon as he's built his barn and stored up all of his possessions in there and rests on his laurels and says, oh good, now I'm going to eat and drink and be merry. I don't have to worry about anything. And God says to him, you fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? All of you are going to die. Every one of you, unless Jesus comes first, is going to die. And when you die, all the things that you've worked for all the things that you've accumulated, none of them are going to belong to you anymore. They'll somehow now belong to your estate, and then your estate is going to be liquidated, and all of those goods are going to go somewhere, whether it's your children or charities or, you know, the government, they're going to take some of it too. All of those things are going to disappear, and they won't be yours anymore. So it is with the one, Jesus says, who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich with God. The things that we have in this life are only fleeting. They're here today and they're gone tomorrow. The things of God are eternal. The things you own today, you can't take with you when you die. 
but there are some things that are eternal. So what is eternal? What will last into the next life? A little later on, Jesus shares the verse that I shared with the kids a little bit earlier. He's been talking about how we strive after food and we worry about what we're going to eat and we worry about the clothing that we're going to wear, what we're going to wear. We worry about being housed under a roof. And Jesus says that the Father is going to take care of all these things. He knows what you need. He knows you need to eat and he knows that you need clothes and he knows that you need a roof over your head. The Father is going to take care of those things. And he says, all the nations of the world seek after these things and your Father knows that you need them all. Instead, seek his kingdom and all these things will be added to you. There's stuff you need in this life. You need to put food on your table. You need some transportation to get to and fro to the places you need to go. You need some place to sleep at night. You need a roof over your head to protect you from the elements. You need all those things. And Jesus isn't saying that they're bad. But he's saying if those are your pursuit, if you're going after those things, you're always going to be wanting more. If you seek after God's kingdom first, then all those other things fall into their proper place. So what is eternal? What will last into the next life? There are two things. In the Gospel of Matthew, a similar verse says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And we could think of these as, first of all, you. You are eternal. You will last into all of eternity. So will your relationship with God. And so if you don't have a personal relationship with God, giving your life to him is the most important thing you could possibly do. Because unlike the things that we work for in this life, a relationship with God actually lasts into all of eternity. It's the one thing that survives in your life when you move from this life into the next one. If you do have a personal relationship with God, you need to invest in it every single day. How many of you have a friend or a spouse? That should be just about everyone. Yep. So if you have a friend or a spouse, but you never talk to that person, never communicate with them, never call them on the phone, never see them in person, never send them text messages or emails or communicate with them in any way, shape, or form, do you really have a relationship with them? No. Because a relationship is based on relationship, communication, having shared interests, having shared time spent together, having communication between one another. And it's no different with God. If we want to have a relationship with God, we have to invest in that relationship by communicating with God, praying to him, listening for his voice, reading his word. And so the basic disciplines of the Christian life are just those things, to spend time in God's word every day, reading what God has said and given us in the words of scripture, praying to God and listening for his voice, and spending time in Christian community, which is the church, because God has given us one another to help us grow in our relationship with him. So we are eternal. We will last into all of eternity, and our relationship with God will last into all of eternity. But there's one other thing that is eternal. There's one other eternal investment you can make, and that's the lives of the people around you, because they are eternal as well. So who in your life has God uniquely positioned you to reach? 
Who in your life has God uniquely positioned you to be in relationship with? The scriptures say iron sharpens iron, and so one man or one woman sharpens another. And that means that when we are in relationship with each other, we build each other up towards God if it's a Christian relationship. Who has God put in your life to influence for him, for eternity? Rob Renau is a a Christian pastor in Wheaton, Illinois. He's also a speaker uh, that talks about marriage and family. And he likes to refer to people, not as people, but as immortal souls, because truly that's what they are. In one of his books, he says, why did God give you your children? But you could also substitute your, your other relationships there as well. Why did God give you relationships? He entrusted them to you so that you might lead them to know, love, and serve him. God gave you your children so that you would help them to get safely home to heaven. And he has given you the mission of training your children so that they can be saved and have the same opportunity to bring many others to heaven with them. That is truly an eternal investment. The relationships in your life, your children, your family, your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends, to invest in those relationships, especially to invest those relationships with God, is the only other eternal investment you can make. Everything else is fleeting and for this life only. Not necessarily bad, but for this life only. So what should we do with all of this? I think the conclusion is the same one that Solomon comes to. We should be diligent with our responsibilities. We should enjoy the pleasures of this life within the boundaries that God has given us and without overindulging. But ultimately, most importantly, we need to make sure that we put God first in our lives and that we make investments that will last into all of eternity. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for each person here. And we thank you, Lord, that you have given us a storehouse of treasure in heaven that will last into all of eternity. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to put you first in our lives, and that you'd help us to use our lives for eternal investments. Help us to enjoy the things that you've given us now, but help us to put our ultimate importance, our ultimate fulfillment, squarely in you. Build us up, Lord. Help us to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a production of Good Samaritan Anglican Church in Middleburg, Florida. For more sermons, sermon notes, and information about our congregation, please visit www.goodsamaritananglican.org slash sermons. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please subscribe and leave us a review with your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. God bless you.